0: LIDA's Tool and Library Qualification Podcast with your host, Oscar Slotosz.
1: Welcome to our podcast recording about safety of C++ exceptions. And today I have two guests in our show, uh, Jakob Riedler and Philipp Robbel. Hello there. Hi, great to meet all of you. Welcome. Jakob, you can say some words. We have already introduced you, but uh, for this episode...
0: So for the people that don't know me yet, I quote in a previous episode, but if you're just tuning in, in this into this one, then uh, I'm expert for C++ and library qualification at Validas, as well as the technical sales. And so uh, my job at Validas is basically to figure out a way to qualify libraries, and uh, especially C and C++ based ones. And so I'm also the author of the test generator for C++ that we use widely at Validas AG for commercial projects.
1: And I'm very excited to have our C++ experts Jakob here and uh, Philip from Mapless AI, is it correct? Maybe uh Philip you can introduce yourself please.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right, Mapless AI. Yeah, just as a quick introduction um uh, my name is uh, yeah, Philip Robel. Um I co-founded a company called Mapless AI um quite recently. And um, our focus is really on safety for autonomous systems. So primarily transportation systems. So that could be anything from drones to trucks to anything else that is uh, operated autonomously. And when we talk about safety, there's a couple of aspects there. So one of them is algorithmic safety. So how do you, let's say plan safe motion, or how do you you know, work towards this vision zero that automotive companies are interested in? So no more accidents on the road. But um, as we all know, safety is a much broader topic. So it's also a system level topic. So it's not just algorithms, but it's also what system architectures do you choose? And, and then uh, one of the other big topics is then also, yeah, what language do you choose? And, and how do you use those languages? So if we talk about C++, um, so one natural question then is, you know, can you use C++ exceptions, for example? So like what are the risks and what do you have to watch out for? And this is how we uh, yeah, got in touch and um, we had a very productive first discussion on the subject. So looking forward to talk about it some more today.
1: Thank you very much for, for this introduction. Maybe I'm especially also interested in getting to know the connection between your uh, company and exceptions, which I think really cool. Uh, all the world is discussing about autonomous driving and uh, but not about C++ exceptions
2: i was about to make a joke that it's an exceptional exceptional company but uh, um.
1: (laughs) yes Uh, that is a good one
2: (laughs) it's an exceptional
1: company Um, on the system level i think c++ exceptions don't matter but on the software level and what kind of software are you developing Uh, can you say something is an operating system or some software components or a stack or what is it
2: yeah, that's a great question. So for us, we would like to develop supervisory supplementary systems that give some safety assurances on the main system. So when we, when we think about aerospace, for example, there are these interesting concepts about you know, have coupling a very sophisticated control system Let's say with a, uh, a simpler control system that can make some safety guarantees, for example. So, so this is uh, or these are sort of system level architectures that have been established in the, uh, let's say, autonomous uh, drone uh, space. And so, similarly, the question for us can we can we build an architecture? Can we build a system that gives you these safety assurances also for different kind of transportation systems? And and that also ties it back to the name Mapless perhaps. So we we believe that for these safety uh, um, systems that we don't want to rely on pre-recorded uh, maps. We would like to uh, remove that from the equation so that the, the system uh, generates a view of the world and then makes safety assurances about you know what behaviors are realizable, for example.
1: Yeah, so maybe uh, with the distance to the next tree or the next house or humans or something like that, is then you're uh, somehow like a fallback control
2: yeah I think I think that that would that would be one example and and yeah, for us, um, the question is how does that apply to different type of transportation systems is is really the interesting one. So for example, we talked about drones, we talked about ground vehicles. and so can we have an architecture that enables these type of checks that you just described and computes them effectively and therefore helps with the safety case for the overall uh, system.
0: So do I get it right? The motivation for uh having a mapless ai is basically that the map can uh and like it's vulnerable to the environment changing but the map doesn't so not being up to date and so basically having to fall back on a mapless ai anyway in some in like in let's say 10% of the cases
2: Yeah, I think that's a a very good example. So the the question is, like the more you rely on pre-recorded data, the more there is a risk that this data goes out of date, like you described. And so therefore, what we would really like to optimize for is to have this most up-to-date view of the world, interpret what is around you and not rely on these, let's say, semantic annotations that might otherwise be on a map. For example, you know, there used to be a, a static object at the side of the road, but let's say somebody removed that object, you know, how does that affect let's say, your uh, other systems and can be reduce the effect of that. And and therefore, we believe in these, yeah, these most up-to-date view of the world. And we would like to reason as much as possible online on the car without relying to pre-recorded data. I see that makes sense. Fascinating, yes.
1: And you you develop the, the things in uh, C++ and you're uh, wondering whether you may use exceptions or not.
2: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's an interesting point. So we the, the way we came to this subject of C++ exceptions, it's, I would say at the last CppCon, so large uh, C++ conference, a number of people that were at the time in the automotive space got together and really tried to make progress on C++ usage in safety critical systems. And one of the aspects was uh, exceptions. And um, yeah, we developed sort of a uh, an understanding of where and how to use it. But I think there's some pieces that are unanswered. And that's why, yeah, I was looking forward to the discussion with, with both of you. Because it's it's not obvious that you can give a blanket statement like yes or no. There is all kinds of, it's a risk assessment and you have to understand like, um, you know, how to mitigate some of these risks. And yeah, we had a very productive first call on the subject. And um, yeah, uh, looking forward to our discussion today. Thank you very much. So then uh, let's uh, step
1: into the topic. And I think I'd like to introduce or to start with an introduction of what the safety standards require. And uh well we very actual thing is we have been asked to qualify some polymorphic functions and uh, um, there is a safety standard which is uh, the DO332 which is about object orientation so this is an interesting one uh, and we can look uh, into this one and we will like, we will be compliant with our tests generated with this one and we can make processes to be compliant with this one. So that's something we can use our compliance engine, we use the process modeling tool and we'll be compliant with this one. So this is an interesting one, but um, this is uh, a very specific one and we have a very, the, the generic ones, um, IEC 61548 or ISO 26262 they do also have some principles for software architecture. And these principles for software architectures have to be met in order to develop a safe architecture. And um, there are some principles uh, like uh, the software components should be hierarchically structured and there should be a, um, a restricted size of interfaces and all those good practices, uh, loose coupling and other things. But there is something, which is saying, there should only be one exit point of each routine. And this is something where safety experts say, well, um, this is is a good programming style, then you know how to uh, clean up your method, and then there's only one exit point. And uh, with exceptions, there are several exit points and uh, the exceptions are specified and and restricted on the design level. So it's uh, part A12. So to start with the safety point of view, we look into the ISO 262 and um, there is chapter 8 about the software unit design and implementation. So how do you design your routines? Do you use exceptions or not? Do you how many uh, subroutines do you have? What programming styles you use? And so things. And there are some principles listed there. For example, don't use recursive functions, which is uh, of course something considered to be dangerous uh, for some A- le- ASL levels. And uh, the first rule is one entry and one exit point in sub programs and functions. And this is mandatory for all ACLs from ACL A to ACL D. So this is a mandatory rule. And the question is, um, maybe use exceptions, do exceptions violate this or not? And um, well, uh, obviously an exception can be seen as an exit point of a a routine. And uh, people think that therefore exceptions are forbidden. Nevertheless, in the in the beginning of the the objectives of the software unit design and implementation, which overrule the concrete requirements, say that the objective is it should be a a readable and a safe architecture. And this is the goal of these design principles. So the overall design principle is to make code readable, maintainable and safe. And, uh, and predictable and predictable yes and this is something where i think that exceptions are very helpful and uh, to be honest for me um, this uh, rule one exit on one entry point might go back to the time where people have been coding in assembly and where they at the end of the routine they did some stack cleanup manually and in the entry they did some stack savings uh, uh, and therefore uh, register savings on the on the uh, on the stack and those things. And from this, it was very uh, natural to have only one entry and one exit point, and not to jump in with go tos and other things. So I think this rule is really so outdated, um, and therefore I think exceptions are something very safe to use. And Um, I wouldn't uh, uh, say, just because those uh, are still in the standards, in the safety standards, they shouldn't be used. So I think an exception is something where you can structure the program. So from my uh, safety point of view, I would say it's safe to use, however, and that is something where you guys come into play, they should also shouldn't uh, cause additional risks, so Uh, resource usage and time usage and those things, they should be implemented very well, but that's something where I see exceptions need to be qualified at least twice. Once, the compiler that is uh, um, using and translating it correctly, and the other things, those let's say uh, runtime utilities like unwinding and allocating memory and whatever comes there, these has also to be safe. This is like a library that needs to be qualified. But if a a tool can handle exceptions and the libraries are qualified, I would say we are fine. But let's dive into a bit more and maybe, uh, Philip, you can describe what you have been discussing in these automotive groups when we are discussing
2: about exceptions. Yeah, it's interesting when we look at the ISO 26262, I, I think, so you mentioned the, you know, you don't want to have any hidden control flow. You want to have, you know, easily a readable code. And and I think this was really the intention for, or, or you know, similar to what you said earlier um, for the single entry exit point. So the ISO also says that you should choose a suitable coding standard, for example. And what we have noticed is that the view in those coding standards has actually evolved, for example, so, primar- so in the early, earlier quote-unquote days, you might have looked at a MISRA type standard, um, let's say MISRA C++ or you know the um, Department of Defense Joint Strike Fighter C++ standard for safety critical systems. So this is from the year 2005. And so there exceptions are generally not allowed. And, um, and we can go into details of why that is the case. But, but if we look at the more recent ones, so more recent coding standard that um, you know, people use, and that is argued suitable for safety critical systems. So that would be this adaptive Autosar C++ 14 standard, for example. So their exceptions are in fact, at least not prohibited from the outset. So there's some constraints that are laid out, but overall it does leave a, you know, a path open towards using of exceptions. And so that's, I guess at first an interesting observation that you know there has this understanding of single exit point, uh, single entry point and so on has matured a little bit in the later uh, coding standards. And then uh, going to this risk assessment that you mentioned earlier, um, to me it, it all ties back to the, your overarching safety goals for the system. Let's say you have done your, you have done your hazard and risk analysis, you have derived some safety goals. And then you usually have a fault-tolerant time interval associated with that. So you have to be able to, um, to meet the safety requirement within a certain time. And there are some risks of, if, if you were to use exceptions, like can we quantify the risk of, your, for example, non-deterministic behavior with exceptions? How should it be
1: non-deterministic? So I think it can take more time so depending in, if you have a nesting depth, you are at depth four or at depth six, uh, where the, the routine is called that throws the exception, then you either use four times or to unwind it or six times to unwind it, but it should be very deterministic. And in the worst case, you look to the call tree, maybe you are at depth 10, and then you can still calculate whether uh, you can throw the exceptions from the timing um,
0: restrictions you have in the in, in within the depth ten. So, if I may input something, stack unwinding is the one thing that is completely on the tool side from my perspective. From what what I've gotten so far is that uh, some application binary interfaces, um, for example, with the Microsoft compiler, the actual casting of the exception type to the type that the user wants to catch the exception with. Um, requires a dynamic cast, um, a special dynamic cast and so um, some ABIs implement this cast using a graph search where the object being thrown has a certain class structure, a class hierarchy that it occupies and that it's constructed with or in and this graph search looks for whether the exception object can actually be caught as a certain type. And so this graph search can get arbitrarily complex um, the more classes you have in your hierarchy. And so the hierarchy can actually grow very large and uh, you might not know that beforehand.
2: I agree. There's some examples um, also for, uh, you know, if you have LinkedIn dynamic libraries of some sort and as those libraries are loaded, the time that it would take, I think this is what you just described as well, um, as this class hierarchy grows, the time it might take to, f- to resolve that dynamic cast might actually um, increase. And then there's of course also the question of uh, memory allocation. So if we use the vanilla out of the box exceptions, there's no guarantees for, for any determinism on memory allocations. That can be solved, but specifically this, this RTTI, so, this, so runtime type identification uh, that Jakob you just described, that can be associated, or I'm not aware of any formal guarantees on on the timing behavior of that operation. So, and and yeah, both of those have to be addressed with, or have to be addressed in a uh, testing strategy, let's say.
1: Uh, This is a very advanced sub-feature of exception handling. Um, If we just say, well, we uh, don't want those dynamic casts, we always uh, have, let's say, a fixed set of exceptions, maybe out-of-memory exceptions or uh, uh, null-pointer exceptions or or whatever uh, kind of division-by-zero exceptions, Uh, then we have those fixed exceptions and we have fixed uh, ways to search for them and to catch them. And maybe one catch-all on the top of the program, but that's... Shouldn't be. Is this really involving so complex uh, operations, or is it just a feature of C++ which is here, um, let's say, a bit. Uh, how do we say in Germany? Mit mit Kanonen auf Spatzen schießen, <laughs> uh, shooting with uh, with uh, cannons to, to birds. Well, so is it is it really necessary, or is it? Wouldn't it be better instead of in the programming, uh, in the in the guidelines, instead of forbidding exception totally, just um, forbidding those um, dynamic cast uh, or dynamic types in exceptions?
0: I agree. You would solve a lot of problems with that uh, if you constrain yourself to just using one exception class, or have your own polymorphic. Um, method behind this one, ex- like implemented in this exception class, and really only use this one exception class that you throw objects of. Uh, you would eliminate the the memory memory allocation uh, in the sense that you know what size the exception class are is gonna be um, big, and so. And the second thing is that you're gonna eliminate the dynamic cast so it might be a problem to prohibit the compiler from actually generating the RTTI information even though you have disabled it because it will be generated for exceptions nonetheless. Um, but in principle, yes, uh, if you constrain yourself to only using exceptions um, within a certain like set of uh, classes, then you do eliminate and constrain the graph, for example, let's say that is being searched so and I think that is a very viable solution. So without having to constrain yourself too much and you still profit from the uh let's say hidden control flow that actually gives you more control over and the makes it more predictable the behavior of your program. So maybe I
2: can I can chime in with what um our thinking has has uh, come to um since our last conversation. So for for us uh, um I think there's three parts to it. So the first part is there's some education of uh, the users necessary. And that's also called out, let's say, in this adaptive Autosar C++ standard. So that people might be using exceptions way too often, uh, so uh, way too frequently just to um, to mimic just normal control flow. And so there has to be some education of the users that exceptions are really for when the function is not able to service is the request, but it's a recoverable situation. So you the caller of your function has actually a way to recover from it. So under these circumstances, um, you know exceptions and, and Adaptive Autistar calls it checked exceptions, for example, uh, are perfectly viable. Uh, everything else, for example, let's say an out of memory exception or uh, something else that the caller can't really uh, deal with in a meaningful way, um, those are really bugs and should be detected during testing. Or it could also be that, let's say, you do like an input check. Like somebody passes you a variable, and you know it's without it's outside of the range that you are expecting. So then you throw. Some people might throw an exception, but in the end, this is sort of a violation of a um, um, violation of the contract that you have with that particular function. So it's it's more a bug that should be caught during test time, and it. To summarize that, like there's some education of the users necessary of when exceptions are suitable so that they don't uh, mimic just like normal control flow or or other things like that. Um, The second thing is, I think this was also what uh, Jakob was talking about, like what can we do on the compiler side? So for example, as far as I'm aware of, um, you know, GCC uh, and, and other compilers, they allocate memory internally as they throw an exception. So independent of whether you use an exception that allocates a string, whether or not that's the case, your compiler might actually be behind the scenes doing memory allocation and so on, and that has to be solved. And uh, I've I've seen uh, solutions to that particular problem. So the, but that's broadly the memory allocation problem. And what does the compiler actually do? Like, does it does it give you any guarantees on this particular dynamic cast, or does it just say like it could take anywhere between zero and you know infinity, um, and so on? And I think there's something needed to understand a little bit of what's going on there. Um, on the compiler side, or can we leverage any guarantees the compiler might make? And then thirdly, and I think we talked about this last time, that is this test strategy. So on the one side, of course, the compiler has to be tested. Does it handle, does it generate exceptions? Does it catch them correctly? All that. But then also in the user environment, when we talk about, um, you know, in this particular environment with these particular dynamic libraries loaded on this particular hardware, there has to be some test set that the user can execute to have confidence that, let's say, any worst-case guarantee, worst case time guarantees, um, are actually um, um, adhered to, or they're you know they're met. And so, so we've been thinking about these three aspects to it. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful, but or how you've been thinking about it. But this is what we've come to since our
0: last conversation. Well, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yes, yes, that's very good. Uh, static coding guidelines, they're all always a good thing and of course it's e- important to have them consider exceptions as well. Validus. Safety for your tools and libraries. Contact us at www.validus.de and ask for a free strategy talk.
2: Basically, we are in line with the adaptive Autosar standard, so we think exception usage is possible. It should be limited. Um, In general, you will have some safety-critical paths in your program and some non-safety-critical paths. So for the non-safety-critical paths, of course, you can use exceptions. For the safety-critical paths, you either have to uh, make additional assurances, like no memory allocation and so on, like we just talked about, um, or you resort to something else where you use you know, uh, return types or uh, error codes and all that stuff that people have been using um, for a long time in embedded safety critical systems. So this is sort of the guideline that, you know, that we are working with at this moment. Can you say something for
1: our listeners about the adaptive autosar uh, guidelines, Mm. especially with
2: respect to exceptions? What do they allow? What do they forbid? Yeah, it's interesting. And and, um, adaptive autosar, as far as I know, and... um, I should also add that the current version of that, I think, is 1903. So that's uh, more than a year old. And I think it was since passed on to the MISRA uh, committee uh, to come up with a new MISRA standard based on that. But as far as I know, uh, they, they do not give technical solutions. They just line out or uh, they just describe um, what you would have to meet in order for you to be able to use exceptions. And so one of them is uh, this worst case execution time criterion, for example. Um, you know, can you? Uh, how do you meet that? You might have to have an answer for exceptions cannot allocate memory, for example. And the other thing that they talk about is also what came up before: this education of users, this limiting of exceptions, and using them for the right purpose. They also introduce something that I found quite interesting: this notion of checked exceptions. So they propose um, to in your in your documentation. Let's say you use a tool like Doxygen or some other documentation tool. Uh, that you can actually add custom tags, like these at tags, or like um, where you would outline that here's an exception that the caller would have to check. Uh, Like like they they refer to that as checked exceptions, for example. And it's interesting because that goes beyond the core language. It goes more like, how can you use exceptions and then have tools that can actually verify, let's say that a checked exceptions is actually, um, you know, checked by the caller, for example. So that's another thing that comes up and I think it talks about that compiler suppliers would have to, uh, of course, make sure that exceptions are thrown and caught correctly and so on. And they also have a rule like you should have this last ditch catch all um, just to make sure you catch all exceptions. And um, if I remember correctly, those, those were some of the of the major points. Um, but again, it does not resolve the question of how this is implemented. So specifically, when we talk about this worst case execution time, um, you know, it is up to our interpretation. How do you achieve that with exceptions? And, but, but I, I hope that is a reasonable overview, yeah. But
1: these are not the, the somehow like coding guidelines. These are more some, uh, let's say, I would say qualification targets So or um, safety targets to address and say if you have fixed time and, and those things, which are something that we can show by qualifying, so. Right. Of, of course, when qualifying exceptions, we uh, should look to the compiler, how it can handle them, build equivalence classes, different kinds of exceptions and um, different scenarios and then uh, look to the C standard and there's a chapter 15 exception handling and um, it has uh, about 10 pages of something like that um, uh, requirements of exception handling and then of course we uh, look only to those that are used and that we rely on but uh, this is something very straightforward for those requirements generate requirements based test cases and of course also to identify uh, the Uh, use the library functions to handle these, to unwind and all those things, allocate memory.
2: I I totally agree with that. So on the compiler side, I think that, you know, you have the standard that you can check against and you can build your uh, test suite or test uh, strategy around that. And then on the user side, I think it's interesting to discuss like what the user would do. Let's say if if I want to use exceptions, like what type of, uh, you know, strategies do I pursue to show that, you know the way I use exceptions is actually safe and so for example tool support like you know making all these exceptional control flows visible showing that you have tested all of these exceptional control flows I think this is something that has to happen on the on the user side on their hardware that they intend to launch um, and that's that's to me it's a somewhat separate uh, um, topic so this um you know what is the qualification kit uh, that uh, you run on the user side let's say
1: Thank you very much for uh, this discussion. So I learned a lot. That is, there are some sorting and searching and exception handling. So this is really interesting. What happens behind the scenes? So thank you very much, Philip, and thank you very much, uh, Jakob. I do have an, a final question, not directly related to exceptions, but um, what is your impression about uh, C two thousand seventeen, C plus plus two thousand seventeen? Is this a a standard we should consider or is something we can go uh, to the 2020 version directly? So what is your impression? Is it worth to uh, go for it?
2: So when the adaptive autosar folks, uh, um, so, I mean, the reality I think is that a lot of the safety standards, they are generally uh, behind the latest C++ versions. And there's good reasons for it that, safety, it takes time to analyze these language features and so on. So I know that, so Adaptive are at the time that they moved it over to the MISRA site, it was stuck at CPP 14, but I do think that uh, it's gonna at least cover CPP 17 for the MISRA standard, but this is something that we would have to, uh, to verify. So uh, that would be my bet. I, I think that going beyond that, um, we'll take a little bit of time for the safety st- uh, coding guidelines and the safety standards to catch up with that. So my I think if I had to bet then I would I would draw a line uh, after 17 CPp 17 um, and and start working with that and and of course like if you then find out that no safety standard or your particular feature that you leverage in CPP 17 uh, is in fact deemed unsafe by a coding standard then you would have to backport uh, some of these features to CPP 14 or, or address it there and then. We talked about this memory allocation issue uh, that can exist on the compiler side, but also on the exception side itself. So some exceptions might keep an error string, by default strings allocate memory, so you will have to solve that. We talked about this RTTI issue, this runtime type identification issue. Um, And there's some questions what compilers might guarantee about that. And if they don't make any guarantees, how a test strategy would have to uh, address that. And then, um, yeah, tooling support. Like how do we make exception paths visible so that we meet the ideas behind the safety standards? And I think those are the big ones. Um, Yeah, and I think we summarized them um, today as well. So
1: thank you for listening today. So we have uh, learned a lot about uh, mapless AI and uh, how exceptions are relevant for their work. And we discussed... um, how to do, qualify them and to, how to use them safely from the user side, uh, with Philip and uh, Jakob. Well, thank you very much, Philip. This was a really exceptional uh, episode with an exceptional uh, company, Mapless AI. So uh, I really uh, like to stay in contact with you. So all the best. Bye bye.
0: Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Oscar. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: That's it for today and the next episode, 32, will be about effective mitigation strategies. This is an alternative qualification method according to IEC 61508. You will hear this soon. Bye-bye.
2: And if you have a safety topic you would like to discuss with us, let us know. We are always happy to receive your emails. We can be reached through podcast at validas.de.
0: That's it for today. Thank you for listening and don't worry about qualification. Be happy with Validas.